Welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast. I am Gina Bianca, salon owner, educator, mastermind mentor, and your host of the Gina Bianca podcast. Morning, everybody, and thank you for listening to the Gina Bianca podcast. I'm so honored that you're spending your time here with me this morning. It is January 12th, 2022, and... I'm feeling it today. I have been trying to not put as much pressure on myself to um, record, record, record. I really want to love doing the podcast. And, you know, last year I batch recorded a million interviews and they were amazing. But I really want to just put out episodes when I'm feeling it. So I strive for every Monday, but just know that there might not be a podcast every single Monday. I'll do my best. And if I'm feeling it, you might get two podcasts on Monday. (laughs) But I'm really trying to follow what I love to do. And something, same with Instagram too. You know what I mean? Like on Instagram, I, I used to do like the 10 posts a month or 20 posts a month and every day. And it did help me get to where I am. And, and right now I don't really need to do that at this point. Um, I really don't want to get much bigger than I am right now. Not to be like, I'm so big, I'm so popular, but like, I really like love where I'm at. And I just feel like the bigger you get, the more haters, the more critics, the more comments, all of these things. And, you know, I'm good. So I'm good to organically grow and I'm happy with that. And I'm just really good with where I'm at, you know? So as far as if I wanted to grow on social media, I might be doing reels every single day. I might be going live every other day. I might be creating content every day because that's how I got to where I am, right? authentically, you know, I'm trying to just be real with you guys. I talk about social media in a few different phases, you know, there is participate, play, and profit. So we're participating on social, you might be maintaining a gorgeous portfolio. I feel like everybody should do that. I feel like the people who don't want to be on Instagram Don't be on fucking Instagram. Who cares? Like if you're happy and you're making money and you're good with where you're at, don't be on Instagram. That's up to you. But for people who do want to be on Instagram and who, you know, beat themselves up for not doing enough, think about where you're at and what your goal is. So if your goal is to participate and maintain a beautiful portfolio and have something to show your clients and have, uh, you know, some kind of marketing where if someone says, oh, my stylist is amazing, they have something to show someone. I think that that's great. Participating. How we participate is having a beautiful, clean background, styling the hair really nicely, doing clean, beautiful work, being mindful of our lighting, cleaning our camera lens, Maybe we're going to participate on a high level and get into photography. Uh, You know, there's participate and there's the bare minimum and then there's the high level and then there's in the middle. 
So maybe you get an amazing camera and you take up photography and you elevate your pictures. A lot of the girls at the network do that. Colored by Caitlin, hair by Kate, believe beauty and balayage, Rachel, Greta Wagner. A lot of them have a really nice camera and they're maintaining a stunning portfolio and they're booked for three months out or more. And they're happy and they're doing awesome. You might get the urge to grow. You might get the need to expand and you might want to play on Instagram. And, and I think of play as, you know, you sit at the blackjack table, right? And you want to play, you want to get in the action, you want to be involved. That's when I would start integrating some video content. Participating at a high level could be doing a before, during, and after on a reel instead of doing a before, during, and after in a photo. And that kind of bleeds into playing, right? So if I were to play, I would do some reels. I would do some lives. I would really focus on video. Participating at a high level, I would focus on video as well. If you want to profit, it's a little bit different. It does take a lot of planning and that's where Instagram kind of turns into a full-time job, you know? I would say maybe if you're going to participate, maybe it's going to take two hours a week. If you're going to play, maybe it's going to take six hours a week. If you're going to profit, maybe it's going to take 12 to 24 hours a week of additional time in shooting, editing, curating, creating, planning, all of these things that go into creating a, a feed like that, you know? There's some incredible people on Instagram who really make it a profit center. You know, I'm really into Jessica Scott hair. I think she's great. She's going to be teaching at the network on, let me pull up my calendar. I think it's in May, February, March, April, May. She's teaching on May 15th with Adina. Um, I'm blanking on her last name. Adina Pig. Pegante, I'm just, let me pull her up, Adina. Adina Pigentari, Pigentari, I'm not sure. It's Adina underscore Pignatari. She's wonderful too. They do a really good job and you can tell they're working with behind the chair and they're influencers and they really know how to create that content that gets you to want to try a product and if you can create an account that has a trusting audience and they want to try whatever you're using very similarly to how I used to do Instagram uh, you can make it a profit center you can make a couple thousand per post you know you can do campaigns with brands and and make some serious money my Instagram is a profit center because I have a big audience who will buy tickets from me. And that's how I'm able to be an independent educator. So I kind of worked through those steps. Participate, play, profit over the years. And I built a wonderful following. I love my following. I love where I am. I don't know if I want to be at a million. 
If I did want to be at a million, I knew exactly what I would do. I would only post reels. I would be planning, creating, going live. I would be collaborating with bigger artists than me. Um, and all of these things sound wonderful. I just don't have a lot of mental space for that right now. So my choice is to share when I feel called to share. And that was this morning, you know, I uh, was on my Facebook and I saw some pictures of my old salon, Gina Bianca Hair, my first salon. And if you're new to following me, I'm sure if you listen to the podcast, you're not new to following me, but because um, how else would you find it? You know, you got to know me. But if you find it randomly or if maybe someone sent this to you, hi, I'm Gina. Um, part of my experience is my first salon, Gina Bianca Hair, and a very brief story of of my journey, I went to a Paul Mitchell school in 2009. I have the best education that money can buy, in my opinion, because during that time, beauty school was just starting to be popping and Paul Mitchell schools were opening everywhere and we had amazing enrollment and amazing fundraising and we had guest artists every week and some of the teachers were superstars. You know, I had superstar teachers. I thought they were celebrities and I wanted to be just like them. And I had Robert Cromines come and be a guest artist at my school and Mary, Mary Cromines and uh, DJ Muldoon and Kelly Cardenas and all of these incredible people, Colin Caruso, all of these incredible people who were my mentors and I had very strong mentors and I had someone to look to and look forward to and somebody to emulate. And I think for me, that was such an incredible gift and I'm so grateful for it. When I got out of school, I found a Paul Mitchell Focus salon to work at for two years. I ended up uh, leaving that salon and going to work at a salon in my hometown. I had no clients at that point. I built my whole business on Groupon and I got all my experience in my first salon on Groupon because she ran Groupons and I did color corrections. That was how I started my career and I learned so many mistakes. I had to learn how to consult, how to price, how to really convince people of the extra bowl of color because otherwise I was making $20. You know, I had to really get people to do the whole thing and convince them that they're getting such a good deal. They might as well do everything they ever dreamed of right now. And I built like my whole experience in business on Groupon as far as my skill set goes. Moving forward, I also took a lot of classes all the time. All my money went into education and I was blessed and lucky enough to like live at home. You know, I had I had so such a blessing of not having bills to pay. You know, I had such a blessing. I'm so blessed and lucky to have the start that I have. Um I left that salon and I started working in a salon in my hometown and I made commission only and I learned the high value lesson of work ethic. I mean, I always worked. I always had two or three jobs. I love money. I'm very money motivated and driven by money. It's almost really unhealthy. So, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Um, I worked at a bar and then another bar and then another bar and I worked really really hard and I built my clientele off of my bar clients and I was doing hair in the salon and then I realized I don't want someone taking half of my money I'm not getting any value here 
you know, I wasn't getting any education. The product was okay. It wasn't Paul Mitchell. I was really trying to like make it work. And I was like, I need to just do my own thing. I ended up starting to do hair out of my house. I did hair out of my house for a few years, ended up renting a chair a few years and I saved all my money and I opened Gina Bianca hair. And that salon is my five years of business school. I was really lucky to work with strategies. They were coaching me throughout my journey. Sometimes I did it consistently, sometimes I didn't. Sometimes I listened to them and then did my own thing and I didn't really listen to them. I just got an idea and then ran with it. Um, but you know, I was very generous as a salon owner and that is how I grew up. You know, my mom showed love with gifts. I, I, I my love language of giving gifts and giving and giving and giving and giving you know, that's a learned behavior. And I think the big thing with leadership is you have to be all right. <laughs> Not perfect, but you have to be okay to be a leader and lead a team and own a business. And I was not, I was very like, you know, jaded stylist turned salon owner. And I gave so much to people. And they knew that, they appreciated it to a point, but I expected so much of people based on me giving. And, you know, this morning when I saw that picture of GBH, I felt called to post about the top three things that I learned from my first business. And that's what I'd like to talk about on today's podcast. So I'm gonna read it to you posted a picture of GBH and it says the top th three things I learned from my first business. I'd like to read you each one and talk about each one openly, honestly, and I hope that this episode helps anybody with anything. I, I hope that you get something from it. Number one is the concept of whoring. And this language might be a little shocking or offensive to some, but just stay with me, okay? Because I learned this concept from Tony Robbins. And he uses very vulgar language. And I, I have a potty mouth, so I'm not offended at all. And if you follow me, you probably know that. I don't feel like someone who's like prude with that is gonna, I don't know if prude's the right word. If someone who's easily offended is following me, I'm pretty shocked because I do speak authentically all the time. I try to be authentic all the time. Keep it real with you guys because I can spot some bullshit from a mile away. I can tell the fakeness on social media a mile away. And my biggest thing is I don't I don't want someone to feel like I'm bullshitting them. So I try to just keep it real. So I learned the concept of whoring. And this took a lot for me to look back at myself and be like, I was being a whore. <laughs> <laughs> and this has nothing to do with sex. The act of giving and expecting things in return, otherwise known as codependent giving. Like, I'm going to give you this, but there's a motive and strings attached, but you don't know that, but I just expect it of you. And it's giving someone a $5 raise because you're afraid they're going to leave. And then all of my numbers and budgets are completely screwed up and I'm resentful and angry because I'm stressed, because I gave too much. It's like a Band-Aid and like throwing money at people, you know? Or giving a $500 to $1,000 class and paying for everybody's travel for no reason. 
Like they're doing a good job, but they didn't earn it to the point where it was measured. It was just a gift. And then when they do end up leaving and following their dreams and owning their own business and living the life they've always dreamed, I'm left feeling angry. That's not healthy, okay? Giving, having someone earn it is way more powerful than giving it to somebody and having them expect, and have, first of all, making them expect the things like that or think that's normal because it's just not. Um, you know, having measured goals and having somebody earn it is completely different. And I'll give you a different example. My network artists love them all dearly. Mastermind is included in their rent. It's included. It's $50 a month. It's included, but to them it's free. So they don't utilize it as much as somebody who's paying 50 hard-earned dollars a month for it, right? So I had a coaching call with one of my artists and I was just like, have you been on the power sessions? Because we do weekly coaching every single week from 10 to 1130. I was like, are you there? And I've never seen you on one. And she needs it more than anybody because she's brand new. But because she's not paying for it, she doesn't think of it, but she is paying for it. So it's really about the value they place on, on these things. For $50 a month, you can join the Network Mastermind. It is absolutely crazy not to join. If you've wanted to do coaching with me, you can coach with me every single Monday from 10 a.m. Eastern to 11.30 a.m. Eastern, where we have different topics, general check-ins, classes, and so much more. Mastermind has so much value. If you're looking to grow your business, if you're looking to be the best you can be, if you're looking to surround yourself with people who are doing what you want to do or doing better than you or who are mentors and just amazing, incredible people, join Mastermind. Be a part of it. It's wonderful. You can cancel at any time. Price is crazy good. You can ask me questions directly every Monday from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Eastern time right on Zoom. We do online coaching and it's just super easy and amazing to be a part of. There's no pressure. You don't have to complete 1,000 courses. You just be there, be yourself, come as you are. You don't have to be anybody but yourself to be in Mastermind. It is a wonderful place to be. Mastermind includes access to my video library, which has all of my courses, including my pricing education, my consultation education, my marketing education. Everything is constantly being revised and updated and re-recorded and we really keep it fresh in there and you can complete all the videos you can complete none of the videos you can show up just for our power sessions on monday you can just be a part of our facebook community you can use it for the amazing discount on classes and first access to classes mastermind is really a customizable amazing tool that you can use to grow your business and elevate yourself and when we all elevate ourselves together, we're elevating the beauty industry. So again, visit www.thenetworkmastermind.com to see everything that's included and to sign up. We have memberships for monthly memberships, annual memberships, and we also now have a salon owner membership, which includes Mastermind for you and four team members. Great value. Absolutely wonderful. Great way to elevate your salon, elevate your culture, really give back to your staff. All good things happen in Mastermind. <laughs> Visit www.thenetworkmastermind.com for more information and to sign up. So going back to the whoring concept, the act of giving and expecting things in return, it's giving with a motive. It's codependent giving. It's let, let me give you this so you don't abandon me. Let me give you this so you don't leave me. Uh, some point in my life, my brain made the connection that if I give, maybe they won't leave. It's a protection thing and it's going to the highest intent of our actions because every action, whether it's smoking a cigarette 
or stealing from somebody, every action that a human does has a high positive intent. And usually that positive uh, intent is to protect yourself, prevent pain, or provide. So everything has a positive intent. And somewhere in my life, I decided that in order for me to not be abandoned or left or hurt, I must give beyond myself in a way that hurts myself. This is a learned behavior. This is not something that just happens. It's a learned behavior, and we have to be graceful to ourselves because it is what it is, right? And the more aware you are of things like this, the harder it is sometimes because you know what to do, right? It's sometimes harder when you know what to do. This is why I built so much resentment over the years. I gave and gave and gave and expected loyalty, performance, and certain behaviors. What I learned is that instead of being a whore and only giving to receive something, having a motive, I needed strong systems, standards, and accountability. I also needed to be the best leader I could be, and that involved putting myself first. I know the language is a bit shocking and maybe off-putting, but looking at it this way woke me up. I, I needed to hear it this way because nobody wants to be called a whore. <laughs> I was called a whore all through high school. Anytime a guy looked at me, I was a whore to the entire school. You know, anytime I talked to anybody, I was a whore. It's, it's very traumatizing because I was bullied horribly my whole life. But I heard it this way and it helped me. So to some people, they're going to be like, block, unfollow, I hate you. Um, and I'm not for you, you know what I mean? I'm not for everybody, but I'm going to share with you authentically of what has helped me because that's all I can really do. I can't, can't share something with you that I haven't had a personal experience with it because it's fake. It's not real. So I try to share what helps me and I hope that, you know, you're not too offended, but if you are, I just might not be the person for you. And there's a lot of easier, softer people out there for you. So. I still struggle with giving too much, but I have way lowered my expectations of others because they were not realistic. I have very unrealistic expectations of myself, which is my problem, and is not fair to pass that problem on to somebody else. So that was the first thing that I learned from my first business. And you can go to business school you can spend a lot of money on business school. Um, I would not be where I am today if I didn't have real life experience. I don't learn out of a book. Um, I am a real life in the trenches person and that is how I learn best. And I highly recommend if you have the resources to get some kind of hands-on learning, even if you start small, Something I learned from my mentor, Victor Valverde, he had five businesses before he had one that worked. And when I realized that, oh my God, this is my first business and not my last business, it really opened up the possibilities for me to learn and to be a student of life always. Number two, if people have the stress of the owner they might as well be the owner of the business. I brought so much stress into my salon and I tried to hide it with a fake smile, but vibes speak louder than words, you guys. 
you can come in and fake it and then everyone in your business is gonna be around uh, and they're faking it and serving customers. It's not a good vibe. The best vibe is when you put yourself first and take care of yourself and if you can manage your stress, which addiction to anything, sex, drugs, alcohol, food, phone, everything that we're addicted to because we all have some kind of addiction comes from poorly managed stress. How do we meet our needs? How do we manage our stress? Is the question. I never learned healthy ways to manage stress. I grew up in a troubled household. My mom did everything she could to take care of us, so she was always working, and my dad wasn't really in the picture. So I learned how to provide for myself and take care of myself, and I learned ways to protect myself, prevent pain, and provide. And these are like deep-rooted things, you know what I mean? So you're not going to like find all the answers on a fucking podcast. You got to like really do the work on yourself. And what does do the work mean? It means sit in therapy and do real work with your therapist. My therapist and I got into a fight. Our last session was like a 30-minute argument. And she's like, you don't want to do the work. And I was like, yeah, because I'm fucking busy and you don't get it. And she's like, <laughs> she gets more than anybody. But... The truth is I have to do things every single day to put myself in a state where I can do this deep work because otherwise I'm going to be too busy always. It's finding a therapist. It's sitting quietly with yourself. It's being in a recovery community if you need one or have one or, you know, everybody's in recovery from something. It's making time to exercise and feed your body and feed your mind and feed your soul. It's building a conscious contact with somebody something. God could be a tree to you. God could be God in a white beard, could be somebody, something, but like you are not the biggest person in the world. And I think like the selfishness and self-centeredness that we all struggle with holds us back from the life we could be living. I brought so much stress into the salon and I tried to hide it. Other times I dumped it on people by sharing too much. Oversharing is something to be wicked mindful of, you guys. Yes, you were born with two ears and one mouth. Shut up. <laughs> Sometimes I have to like, look at someone and be like, shut the fuck up. You're born with two ears and one mouth. Listen more than you talk. I have a lot of salon owner clients, and the first step for many of them is to make some new friends besides their employees. Your employees aren't your friends. I have wonderful relationships with my employees, but I have to be really mindful what I say because they're at a different level than me. It is not fair of me to dump on them and they have their own problems and worries and families and everything. I don't need to come in and add to their problems. I have a lot of salon owner clients and the first step for many is to make some friends besides your employees. They don't wanna hear how your bank account is negative. They don't wanna hear how stressed out you are. They're on a different level than you and you're putting them off by sharing this stuff with them, oversharing. Oversharing is something to be mindful of. Make some new friends who care. It's tough but true. Your employees don't care. And if you give them the stress of the owner, they're going to open their own business because why would you have that kind of stress for somebody else? This is the number one reason people leave salons. 
I know because I talk to them. I know because I've pushed people out. And I know because I've left salons for this reason. It's the number one reason people leave a salon is because they have the stress of the owner and they don't have the reward of the owner. And people are being like, oh, the reward, oh, it's so stressful, blah, blah, they'll, they'll find out. You know what? It's not that bad. If we knew how to manage our own stress and we knew how to run our business, it wouldn't be that bad. And you can be profitable and you can make money, but it comes from making tough decisions. Grow up. You're trying to connect with them, but you're doing the opposite. Set some boundaries. If you really want to connect with them, ask them about their family, their friends, their life, what they want to do with their life. Listen. Sometimes connection is less talking, more listening. All the time connection is more talking and more listening. But we confuse connection with significance and we want to dominate the conversation and chat, 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 chat and make it all about us and be selfish. But listen, connection is about listening more than talking. Number three. This one got, this post got a lot of positive comments, like a lot of positive comments, like a ton. And then there's one negative comment that I want to address. And it comes from number three. I learned this from Tony Robbins. The chokehold on every business is the psychology of the owner. Read it a hundred times. The chokehold on every business is the psychology of the owner. The chokehold on every business is the psychology of the owner. Read it a hundred times. Every problem that exists can be traced back to you. I can share a hundred mistakes that I've made that caused problems in the business that can be blamed on someone else, but really it was about my decisions. Decisions are influenced by our state. So the owner needs to consider their state and psychology. And then I ran out of room and I couldn't type anymore. So I just wrote, ran out of room. Do you have any thoughts? Before I ran out of room, I had other things typed, but I had to decide what I wanted to post. And I can give you an example of a few things that I can blame everybody else for, but in reality, these are my problems. A problem can be, we have artists on the team who do not value customer service at a high level. We have unhappy guests leaving the salon, writing bad reviews, and I can say, well, it's that stylist's fault, right? It's their fault. They don't value what we value. Or I can say, I really need to elevate my screening and interviewing process and ensure that everybody values customer service at the highest level. And I need to give them examples of things that can go wrong and really see how they would handle them. As a booth rental salon owner, I can't tell them to do anything. They rent a chair from me, they run their own business, but that exposes the salon to problems. So now what I do with all my new hires, I ask them, what would you do if a guest came in and you did their hair and it didn't come out right? 
be like, I would immediately redo it. I would feel the vibe. I would know something is off and I would reach out to them. And I always reach out to new guests, especially if we do something different, even if it's existing guests to see if they like it. To me, that's great because they're going to follow up. And if something's wrong, they're going to feel it or they're going to know or they're going to have that eye and know like this is nothing like the picture. This is off of what we talked about or they're going to sense that they did something wrong. And then I ask, what would you do if you had them come back and you redid it and it was wrong again? The question, when I ask that question, the answer I'm looking for is I would issue a refund and I would try my best to adjust it again or come up with a solution. What if you made a formulation mistake? Are you going to blame it on their hair or are you going to own it? My screening process and accountability and culture determines the culture on the floor, right? People leave dishes in the sink. How can that be traced back to me? I can blame all of the renters, but in reality, my leadership team needs to feel comfortable and confident to coach in the moment and nip it in the bud. <laughs> I'm just uh, sharing little challenges we have here at the network. What about a challenge of cash flow? We have no money. Don't order anything. That's been me lately because I am trying to set stricter budgets because we just finished this crazy build out and I'm trying to really dial in our budgets and make each area of the Solana Profit Center. And we're doing good. But why do we have no money? What did we overspend on? What did we not budget correctly? What are we not keeping track of? What are we ordering too much of? I can blame everybody, but at the end of the day, it comes back to me, my systems, and my accountability. Three people in my salon left and opened a salon on their own. It's not to say, how can I blame this on myself and feel bad for myself and think about myself? It's to say, what happened for real? What could be done better? And where can I take responsibility and own it? Because at the end of the day, every chokehold on every business comes to the psychology of the owner. I'd be interested to hear problems that you're having. And I would love to trace them back to a system, a decision, you know, hiring out of desperation, you know, I'm afraid of losing money or I'm afraid of this, that, and the other thing. So I'm going to hire this person who's not qualified and take their money. Then it ends up causing all these problems and then we blame the artist. Mm, no, your screening process was wrong. Or what about you have an artist on the team who's a total asshole? They bring in a lot of money though. They sell a lot of retail. My whole team has a heavy heavy feeling in the air 
And it's because I didn't use the opportunity to fire someone. Sometimes firing someone is better than hiring someone. It shows what's, what is acceptable and what is not. So if you have someone breaking the rules all the time, you know, and you let them go because of money, you're going to have a team of people who are pissed. It's so common. Really lets everybody down when you make special exceptions for someone just because of money. Culture is always more important than money. And if the culture is good, the money will come. I'd love to hear problems that you believe are everybody else's fault and think of ways that we can trace them back to how to prevent the problem in the future. It's not about blaming yourself and hating yourself and thinking about yourself. It's about how to make this problem not happen in the future, right? So the comment was, sorry, but you are wrong. Not every problem that exists in the salon can be traced back to the owner. That's honesty, some pretty low-grade, shallow analysis. I've owned two salons over the course of 20 years, and I've been in the business for 33. I can say for certain that some issues were of my doing, but the majority came from staff. And I said, tell me a problem you're having and I will trace it back to either you, a broken or non-existent system, a cash flow problem, or something else. It's taking over ownership. I agree to disagree. The majority came from staff. It's really easy to blame everybody else. It's not as easy to look in the mirror and say, I am the problem. Take some serious self-reflection and uh, humility to really look at yourself. So I'm just saying, but agree to disagree. Not everyone's going to agree with me and I don't give a fuck. I don't care. Just over it. Over trying to make everybody happy because it's never going to happen. You know? I hope you like this episode. I was feeling it today, so I did it. And I'm going to keep following that feeling. And I wish you nothing but the best. I hope you're doing really well. I hope you make some time for yourself. I hope if you're a salon owner who's burnt out, that you make some salon owner friends. I hope that if you're giving too much and you feel that resentment in your heart, Maybe try scaling it back and giving to yourself. Usually, people who are overgivers, they get really upset when other people are selfish. And what irritates you about others, chances are, is what you need for yourself. So if I hate when someone is lazy, chances are I need to be a little lazy. So, it's a cool reversal technique. Hope you have a wonderful day. See you on the next one. I love how close we are online, but I'd love to meet you in person at one of my 2022 classes. I'm going on tour. My first city is Raleigh, North Carolina, and that's on January 24th. I'll be teaching at the High Tide Salon. Class is almost sold out. Grab your ticket. I'm going to be teaching on January 31st in Dallas, Texas at Abstract Studio. March 28th in Austin, Texas at Lumiere House. April 25th in Chicago at Paul Mitchell, the school Lombard. 
May 23rd, I'll be in Nashville at Crown Glory Co. July 11th, I'll be at the Jersey Shore in Belmar, New Jersey at Maine and Seoul. August 1st, I'll be in Buffalo, New York at Salon Valeria. August 29th, I'm visiting a few small towns, smaller cities, smaller areas. Wilmington, Delaware on March or on August 29th. On September 11th, I'll be in Florence, Mississippi, another small salon. Wilmington, I'll be at Salon Blondie. Florence, I'll be at Glossary Salon. September 12th, I'll be in Washington, D.C. at Be Seen Studios. Definitely one of the big goals of mine working with them. So excited to be there. And then my last class of the year is on September 25th in Plansville, Connecticut at the Network Salon, and that's my hands-on class. So if you want to learn hands-on, grab a ticket. They're almost gone. They're almost gone nine months in advance, the hands-on ticket. So be sure to grab your ticket if you want to learn hands-on. Get your ticket now. If you want to sign up for any of my classes, visit thenetworksalon.com and click education, or you can do thenetworksalon.com slash FWTF, five ways to foil. So thenetworksalon.com slash FWTF, or you can just hit our website and you'll find everything right there. You can also visit ginabianca.com. Plenty of ways to sign up. Amazing class. You guys are going to love it. I'm teaching my five ways to foil class. This class is different every time. So if you've taken it in the past, take it again. It's not going to be... Uh, you know, the same old thing over and over. Every class is different. Every time we have a different model, we have a different curriculum, we have a different, whole different set of problems, whole different audience that we answer questions. The information is very solid and consistent, but every class is different and you'll gain something every single time. So if you've already taken it, take it again. It's going to be great. This year, instead of doing a huge swag bag, I'm going to be giving online education. So what's included in your ticket is also online access to Five Ways to Foil Online to make it a hybrid experience and my Boundaries in Business course. So you'll have some access to some online education as well, adding value. Hope to see you guys there. Be sure to check it out. Thank you for listening to the Gina Bianca podcast.